Hello and welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Michael Schaefer. And I'm Fiona Bennett. Lovely to be back with you as always. We've been having quite a busy time of it. I was in Durham last weekend for the Durham Book Festival. Uh, sadly, Fiona couldn't join me, but uh, she missed out. We had some fantastic conversations, uh, some wonderful poems that were brought to us that have been friends to people. And I've no doubt that there'll be some episodes coming to you from Durham in the not too distant future. We mentioned this last time, we have now got a donate page on the website and if you are able to contribute something, it's really helpful to the project so that we can get out to places like Durham and have these fantastic conversations with people which we're then able to share with you on the podcast. Sophie, you missed out on going to Durham, but I missed out on going to the festival in Stoke, the festival in a factory. You did indeed, and it was wonderful. We had a fantastic day there. It's a brilliant festival. It takes place in the Emma Bridgewater factory, which is one of the old Stoke potteries where, you know, you're in these spaces where pots have been made for many a decade and still are being made. And there were debates and conversations and readings happening around the site. It was absolutely fantastic. So this month's episode does indeed come from the Festival in a Factory where Roy McFarlane, the poet, was doing some readings and we managed to nab him for an hour. So you'll be hearing Fiona and at some point you'll hear Al, but maybe not till a little bit later in the conversation, talking about The Negro Speaks of Rivers by Langston Hughes, the poem that's been a friend to Roy. It's great, lovely. Would you read it for us, Roy? I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were young. I built my hut near the Congo, and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised the pyramids above it. I heard the singing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans, and I've seen its muddy bosom turn all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient dusky rivers. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. Mm, lovely, thank you. Great. So, um, Roy, tell me when you kind of heard about the idea of Poem as Friend, what's been your journey to choosing this one, I guess? <laughs> it was quite, first of all, the idea of talking about a poem that you love, I thought, that's easy. And, and I think straight away, I kind of had a few poems in my head. And then I thought, a poem is a friend. And when I'm, I was thinking about a friend that has traveled with you, inspired you, got you out of bed, that really took a whole different perspective on the poem that I would choose. Mm. And then um, I remember my first collection that I wrote, I was inspired and really evoked. And it was a poem that I, or a collection that I carried with me, Jackie Kay's Adoption Papers. And I actually went, I literally grabbed that and said, this is what I'm gonna bring you. And um, I kept reading and I couldn't pick out of the 10 or 20 poems at the beginning because all of them was profound for me as somebody who was adopted 
and how it inspired me to write my next collection. But still, was that a friend for life? I wasn't sure. And then I remembered one of the first poems that I ever saw that entranced me, that blew my mind away, was Langston Hughes' The Negro Speak of Rivers. Mm. And then I remember in different parts of my life, whether I'm working with young black men and trying to encourage them, it was a poem that would come up. If I was looking at writing and I just needed just how to take my writing to another level, I'd come back to this because I thought of the in-depth of it. And just an affirmation of who I am as a, as a black person, I came back to this kind of thing. And I thought, yeah, this is the, the friend. You said you were entranced. <laughs> uh, can you remember where you were or what that moment anymore about how long ago that was? Or? Well, it would have been somewhere around the late 90s. It would have been probably on my journey of, um, of black identity, uh, and it was that kind of thing, you'd be looking at readings from intellects, black intellects from the past, W.E.B., Du Bois, uh, even up to Martin Luther King. And I think that might have been it, because Martin Luther King often refers to Langston Hughes, and naturally that set me on a search. And especially around the period they called the Harlem Renaissance. Mm -hmm. And that became something that I literally researched and looked into all these amazing poets and thinkers and artists and the whole period of, of, of the 1920s in Harlem. And then again and again, Langston Hughes kept coming up. And it was literally the first poem I found of Langston Hughes. And again, it, it, just, it just spoke to me kind of thing. Mm. And then I got the collection and then other things. But yet this is probably the one that really comes alive, well, they all come alive. There's something about Langston Hughes for a person who was starting off in poetry. So you've got the thing about looking about identity and something that really kind of inspires you about your identity. But then as a poet and starting on my journey as a poet, it was, well, this is, this, is this how you can write poetry? Um, is this how you can go deep and, and say so much in, in just a few lines kind of thing? And so finding out about Langston Hughes, finding out that he was a, a man who loved jazz, and I loved jazz as well. Um, and there was all these things that were happening when, when I keep, keep looking at Langston Hughes stuff. But again, coming back to this poem, it literally entranced me. It was, because when you first read it, or when I first read it, it was not analyzing or what is he saying kind of thing. It was just beautiful. And then I guess when you kept going back to reading it again, you might find a few more things. Um, but for, for all the times I keep reading it, it's literally a praise. It's a beautiful song that's going on in your head and, and, and with you. It's such a brilliant thing that he gives it, the title that he gives mm, it. Absolutely. The Negro Speaks of Rivers. Uh, and the more you read about Langston, you, you recognise that uh, Langston was really... At a, and all the other writers in that 1920s were on, a, on that cusp of identity, literally saying after coming through slavery, after Jim Crow, after being in an urban city like, like Arlem and still being beaten down by society or police officers or whatever, Langston Hughes, I felt, was trying to say so much about the Negro person at that time that, you know, we have something to say. 
and and we have a journey we have a we've been here it's not something that you just drag us over here and and take advantage and kill us and whatever we have been here as everybody has been here uh, and that's something that's just come to me as, I, mm. as I'm talking to you but yeah it was that necessity to shout that out and say the Negro speaks of rivers and the more I find out about this poem it's one of his first poems that got accepted before any collection he'd send a lot of poems off to um, local newspapers, especially um, African-American papers. And there's a paper called The Crisis that was edited by W.E.B. Du Bois. And like W.E.B. Du Bois, he's like the man when it came to black thinking or, or just thinking, intellectual thinking. Even Du Bois says, who is this man who wrote this poem? And he was only 17 when he wrote this. 17 or 19 when he wrote this. And I think as a poet, I know there are those, there are those times when the muse hits you and you just go with it. Um, Ted, you said something about there's kind of four different ways that we write. And there's the one that he talks about is when, is when the muse hits you and you can't do nothing. There's no editing, there's no nothing. You're a conduit because where did that come from? And I just feel that was one of those, those moments kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, as you say that about the kind of conduit, I love the kind of journey of it, of, you know, just this one small beginning, or small big beginning, you know, of I've known rivers. I mean, there's something mind-blowing about that first line, even. I mean, again, you, you're thinking, here's a 17-year-old talking about as almost like an, a wise old traveller, and, and, and not only a, a wise old traveller of this period of time, mm. but somebody who's travelled 2,000, 6,000, 8,000 years from the, you know, from the Euphrates, for me, it always brings back biblical connotations around the Garden of Eden and, and things like that, not necessarily the archaeological aspect. I mean, I don't know that side, but again, if I'm not mistaken, that's Iran or Iraq around that area, and we know that's the beginning of civilization often is, is referred there. And so he's, he's almost this, this, this wise Ed of being, <laughs> I've bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were young kind of thing. Then he goes to the Congo, which I think was very important for me as, as a Negro or, or an African, being part of the African diaspora. Um, He's taking these African Americans back to well, we know we were we were in Africa and we uh, uh, we built huts by the Congo and it lulled me to sleep and I, I love that part about being at peace, being at home, being in all of that racism in all of what was going on. He's thinking back to a place where we were we were at peace, lulled to sleep. We didn't have nothing to worry about, kind of thing. Uh, it takes you to the Nile and raise the pyramids above it. And it, I mean, I've read up on this a bit because this part always, I'm wondering, is that taking us to what we always recognize as Egypt and the pyramids and how the pyramids are lined with the cosmos and it's that kind of perfect civilization kind of thing? Or, or are we looking at it from a slave's perspective, how the pyramids were raised, kind of thing? Um, 
But I definitely think when he moves to the Mississippi, that's definitely about slave songs and being in the Mississippi and good old Abe Lincoln coming down to make a difference kind of thing. Mm. The other interesting thing about this, he's making a journey to Mexico to meet his dad, who he has not seen. His dad has estranged himself from the family kind of thing. And it's one of the only trips that he makes to go and see his pops. They don't have the greatest of relationships. You can imagine Langston is trying to make a connection with him. And, And they often say equally that his father, being black, was very bitter about what had happened as a black person. That's why he moved to Mexico. So he weren't happy about the state of life and he wasn't happy about being black as well kind of thing. And again, you just feel like Langston, you say, but we need to be proud of being who we are. Mm. We need mm. to sing it out loud. And so for you, Roy, I mean, you, you've spoken about kind of coming across it at, at a point when you yourself were on your journey with your identity as a black man. How did that work for you? It, it came at a, a, a beautiful time of, I was in a rich form of, of, of reading and returning back to reading as well, as, as it were. And I think it was when I was about early 30s, mid-30s, I suddenly threw myself working with young men, uh, predominantly young black men. And again, I could see that equally maybe I'm on a journey as, I, as with these young black men about who are we, what is it to be this kind of thing. But it's in that period of time that um, you're touching on so much rich writing and Langston you sung to me. He, he, he was that friend, that brother by my side that um, we are beautiful people. We've got so much to say. We don't have to be militant. We have to be angry, but we can still share where we're at and still come together to make a difference is what I kind of found in Langston News kind of writing. Um, he didn't shy away from the hard, profound subjects and saying it as it is, but he wasn't also just leaving it there. He was looking for a solution of how we all as humanity can come together and, and, and make a difference. I think there was a period of time that I was writing very angry poems and I was on the, 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 um, the, the spoken word scene, so I was doing a lot of open mics. But as I was trying to look at putting a pamphlet together, or maybe looking at a journey of getting my first collection together, again, every time I come back to Langston News, how do you put that? How do you transform the stage to the page kind of thing? And, and sometimes both of them work hand in hand, but literary works like this, you, you, just, you just look at that and you think, how can I attempt to do that? And I'm still looking at that, mm-hmm. <laughs> asking the same question. <laughs> but hopefully I'm getting somewhere oh, I'm along sure that journey. You are. I'm sure you are for the eloquence with which you speak of it. And I mean, it's obviously as two white people speaking to you about this poem, what it's been for you, we can't know that in that way, but I really thank you for bringing mm-hmm. it to us mm-hmm. uh, and, for, and for kind of opening it up with us so kind of open-heartedly. But as a poem though, You know, without the context of what it might mean to anybody from the African diaspora, but I just think it's beautiful. Um, The the journey of rivers, the Mm. 
everything. You could you could be sitting with them, or or that wise ed individual old man, and you could be you're, you're on that journey as well. Mm, absolutely, you're on that journey as well. I've got this mad idea. I think I sort of discovered maybe a few years ago. I think I am profoundly a river person <laughs> more than a sea. But I mean, I love the sea. Uh -huh, you know, I love uh -huh. the sea, and it does it for me. And yeah. but I I'm I'm more of a walk along a long river yeah, person. Yeah. Yeah. You know. That's interesting because uh, there was a stream, it wasn't much of a river, but there was a, a brook, a stream, whatever you want to call it, at the back of where we lived and um, I'd always do a shortcut through the fields to get to school and the amount of times I relaxed by that stream in the summertime or, or was caught up when it poured down with rain and, and the, the, the volume and, the, and that that, the rush of it. The rush of it. Yeah. I always wanted, I've, I've never even thought about this, but you now talking about that, how that stream has been fundamental in my life growing up. I haven't even thought about that. Um, and if I do, when summer comes, I'm always going down to Beaudley. I think it's the River Seven, I might have that wrong, but okay. I think the River Seven yeah. runs through Beaudley. I'm always down there with an ice cream and sitting by that river with, with, with my partner. So again... There you are, you see, he's a river man. <laughs> I think I've got this thing. Do you think it's theory? Actually, yeah, that's amazing, isn't that's it? That's true. It's amazing. That idea of kind of from the source and the journey yeah. and the journey that has to kind of meander or break a boulder down or you know yeah. how that flow yeah, yeah, yeah. i think that's why i love them is because you sort of and what it picks up along the way as it goes down yeah 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 as i read this um it's vaguely chronological yeah. up to up to his time yeah, yeah. up to a uh, abe lincoln i just love to know if you wrote the next <laughs> you know what rivers <laughs> you know is it quite in, in that yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting that um, the first poem I ever wrote was called Waters. But I actually think that is the follow-on from this. And it, I'm, I, I know I have to do something about Waters. The Negro speaks of rivers. I've known rivers. I've known rivers ancient as the world and older than the flow of human blood in human veins. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. I bathed in the Euphrates when dawns were young. I built my hut near the Congo and it lulled me to sleep. I looked upon the Nile and raised the pyramids above it. I heard the singing of the Mississippi when Abe Lincoln went down to New Orleans, and I've seen its muddy bosom turn all golden in the sunset. I've known rivers, ancient, dusky rivers. My soul has grown deep like the rivers. That was Fiona with the gift reading at the end there. If you want to read to more Langston Hughes, you can find the collected poems of Langston Hughes published in the US by Alfred Knopf 
and in the UK by Penguin Random House. And of course, a big thank you to Roy McFarlane for giving us his time and such a fantastic conversation. Roy has a new collection out. It's his second collection. It's called The Healing Next Time, published by Nine Arches Press. And Roy is out and about on the road at the moment doing some readings. If you go to his website, roymcfarlane.com, you'll be able to find details of where you can catch him. If you're listening and thinking about the poem that's been a friend to you and wondering how you can share that with us, then do go to the website and visit the Nominate page. There's a very simple form there and it's fantastic for us to receive these messages from people around the world about the poem that's played a part in their lives and we just love to get those in. The other day, in fact, we were reading through all the poems that have been nominated so far. There are 157 of them. Wow. And um, although we aren't able to meet everybody and have the full conversation with people about the poem that's been a friend to them, it is wonderful to be gathering this kind of extraordinary collection of the poems that are playing an active part in people's lives. That's about all we've got time for this month. So until next time, thank you for listening. Do you have a river near you? Do we Where have you a, are now? Uh, river canals. Canals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do walk by it. Absolutely, absolutely. I do, I do again, yeah. th- thinking about it, I do walk by yeah. it. Because I could walk around the park. There's a big park, but I don't walk around the park. Um, yeah. Where do I go? By the canal. By the canal, absolutely.